The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, again, welcome to the Grove Church. So happy that you're here today. My name is Andrew, and my wife, Amanda, and I get the privilege of leading this awesome campus and being a part of what God's doing here in our church. If you are new with us, we want to say welcome to you. Got to meet a few new people before service, but would love to get to know you better. And so after service, if you want to connect and uh, hang out with us for a few minutes, we would love um, to get to know you. We're in a series called In This Together. We're talking about community life and the importance of being together as the body of Christ. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 21, uh, fourth book into the New Testament of the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is where we're going to end up. It'll also be um, on the screen here in just a few minutes. I want to thank you again for uh, filling out that What's My Next Step card. A couple weeks ago, uh, we really challenged everybody in our church to take a step in their walk with Christ in a lot of different ways. And so my hope is that you've heard from us, um, but if for some reason you haven't, you're like, I haven't heard anything, I haven't gotten any messages, that's a problem. It means maybe we have the wrong letter in your last name or the wrong letter or number or whatever in your email. So please talk to us about that at the Hub because we definitely want to be able to connect with you and get you plugged in. Well, in this series, what we're talking about is the importance of being together. Last week, we opened up this series with one of my favorite shows. It's a show called Alone. Anybody out there watch the show Alone on the History Channel? I got one, two, three, yes. So this show, uh, just to recap a little bit, is all about isolation. Puts you in the middle of nowhere and sees how long you can last. And whoever lasts the longest wins $500,000. And what's crazy about this show, no matter who it is, no matter how big of the skill of level, um, there's always a breaking point for every person. They begin to just break down because they miss and long home and they want to see family and friends. And it's this idea that you and I were never meant to live alone, never meant to live in isolation. In fact, when we look to the life of Christ today, what we're going to see and learn is that Jesus modeled a lot of solitude where he would get away and pray and fast and be with the Father, but he never modeled isolation. Jesus was connected, very connected to the crowds, even more deeply connected to his disciples, and even more deeply connected to who I call the three amigos, which was Peter, James, and John. And so we see this in the life of Christ. One of the cool things about our church that we talk a lot about, and it's on the Connect card when you come in, and we, I reference this a lot, is the vision of the Grove Church, the church that you came to, uh, is a very simple vision. It just simply goes, we want people to love God, we want people to connect with each other, we want people to serve all. And we even shorten it even down to just love, connect, serve. What we want to see for people that come and are a part of the Grove Church at both campuses, Marysville and Snohomish, is we want to see people, first of all, love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, that's why we're here. We're not just a social club. We don't just like seeing people. We're here to see people come to know Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Yeah, the louder you shout, the shorter I preach, okay? So we want people to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second thing is we want people to connect. We do it even through this connect card that we talk about at the end of every service. We want people to connect to one another. In fact, we find it so important that people find others to connect to in the body of Christ. And not only do we think it's important, research shows it's important. In fact, what they show is that any person that walks into a church, within seven minutes, 
They've decided whether or not they're going to come back to that church. And I think part of that is they're deciding whether or not these people are friendly or weird. Okay? My hope is that your experience today was friendly. Okay? But we want people to connect. It's interesting because the Connect card is a, pr- a prime example of how we connect with people here at our church. What we do is at the end of service here in a little bit, we're going to ask you to fill out that card. And if you have any prayer requests, go ahead and put it on the back of the card. We'd love to pray for you. On an average at this campus, we get about two cards. Well, obviously you can see there's a lot more people here than two. But what we believe so much in is the power of prayer as well. And so what happens is if someone fills out a prayer request, it doesn't just get dropped in some box and go into no man's land and then you just think someone's praying for you. You will hear from someone. Someone will call you this week. Someone will blow up your phone. Someone will throw you a bunch of emails and say, hey, we are standing on your behalf praying for God to move in your life. That's how much we believe in the power of connection because we know connection brings life to people. The last one is serve all. We want people to obviously serve internally. Clearly it takes an army to make a mobile church happen. But of course, we also look at opportunities outside of the church to serve and be a light to those around us. It's a very simple vision, love, connect, serve. But years ago as a church, we had decided what will be the one contribution? What will be the one contribution as a church that we want to be known for? What will be the one word? We tried to get it down to one word of what we wanted to be known for as a church. Years go on, people move on, life change happens, but what will be the one word that the Grove Church will be known for? And that word is belong. We came up with the word belong, that we want people that are a part of the Grove Church specifically. Obviously, there's other great churches out there, but for the Grove, the vision is we want people to belong. We want them to feel like when they walk into the doors of any church setting, of any service, of any life group, of any event, of any serve opportunity, we want there to be such a sense of belonging that they feel like, wow, I feel like I'm at home. I feel so welcome. Well, I like the vibe in here. People are really nice. I feel like I matter. And when we talk about the power of connection, we want people to feel like that they matter and that they care, that we care deeply for them as a part of the Grove Church. It's interesting when you think about the power of connection because we know what happens if people are not connected. We actually prayed for it during worship. In fact, by the raise of hands in here, how many of you, just by the raise of hands, We're going to separate people who are worthy to be found. So these are people who don't yet know Christ. But how many of you here today, by the raise of hand, you say, you know, I know someone. I have a family member. I have a friend. I have a neighbor. I have a coworker. I know of so-and-so who used to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and they no longer are connected to the Christ or his body. Raise your hand. Hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. People who have fallen away. People, for whatever reason, things gone on. And what we learn in Ecclesiastes, these are very famous passages of Scripture here, that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Here's the part I want you to see on the screen. But woe to one who is alone when he falls and has no one to lift him up. In fact, what we know sometimes in life, through struggles, through pain, through suffering, through difficulty, through heartache, sometimes life beats you up. 
Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes things happen in our life that we don't understand. And what happens, the difference between people who stay connected to the body of Christ and stay connected to Jesus, the difference is whether or not they had people in their life to help them in the moments when life got really hard. But if you do not have that person, if you do not have that group, if you fall and no one is there to lift you up, I can guarantee you that that person is going to fall away from ever believing. Why? Because in the moment of pain, in the moment of doubt, in the moment where they felt like life was just tearing them down, there was not a person, there was not a people that went after them and pulled them out. It's interesting because if we think about the body of Christ as a whole, not just our church, but the church, if we're honest, sometimes we're really terrible at this as people who follow Christ. I mean, sometimes when people struggle or they fall away or they fall into sin or they do things that we know know, they shouldn't be doing, I mean, a lot of times, if we're honest, I'll be honest, I can kind of look at that situation and go... I saw that coming. Well, no, no, no surprise there. You know, if you do this, this is going to happen. But what you and I, what love compels us to do is to be the most loving, compassionate, graceful people on planet Earth. That's what the love of Christ compels us to do. That before, you know, that one story in the Gospels where they all wanted to stone the girl, and Jesus is like, all right, if you're without sin, you throw the first. And they're like, oh man, I can't throw a stone. I'm not without sin. We're called to be the most loving, compassionate, grace-filled people on the planet. And yeah, there's obviously room for correction. There's room for conversations about things that are going on. But you know what must first happen when we think about connection to others who have fallen away? The first thing that must happen is love. The thing that compels us more than anything is love. In fact, in our reading plan, 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak of tongues of angels but have not love, I am nothing. So it's just this amazing idea that when people are connected to others in the body of Christ, when they struggle, when they fall, we have opportunity to lift them up. I want to get to John 21 here today because that's our, our main text. Let me give you some background and then we're going to read the scriptures and then we'll pray. But here's the background of what's happening in John 21. If you've been following along in our Bible reading plan, we read the Bible through the whole year as a church and we just got done reading the book of John. And in John 21, Jesus is about to restore his disciples back to the mission they've been called. He, he's, he's about to come and wrap his arms around them with love and care and support. And here's the thing, they're not feeling all good in this moment. In fact, they're going through some stuff in this moment. Life has really beat them up in this moment. And here's what's happened. They've seen their savior, their Lord, the one they've been with. They've seen him crucified, this horrific death. They've seen so much pain and agony and what he went through. And now here's what's happening. He's died this horrific death, he's risen again, and his three buddies, we talked about his three buddies last week, Peter, James, and John, his three buddies, here's where they are. First of all, you have Peter, he denied him three times, and is completely abandoned and broken. You have John, the beloved disciple who wrote the text, he's comforting his grieving mother, who's distraught at watching her son be crucified. 
You have brother, his brother James, who's also confused about what really happened and where's Jesus and why did he desert us and all these kind of things. They're, they're weary, they're broken, they're confused. And in this text, when we get to it, they go back to what they've always known. They go fishing. They go back to fishing, back to their normal life because this, they thought this was the mission of God. They thought this was this big kingdom thing and come to find out they were completely confused at what was really going on. Here's the story, John 21. After, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple who, whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, there's John putting his name on his own writing, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land but about 100 yards off. Verse nine, when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, come and have breakfast. Everyone say breakfast. Wow, everyone say Breakfast. Praise God for the best meal of the day. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Last section here. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said to him. Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you want it, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Let's pray for God's word today. Lord, again, I thank you that you call us once again to be in this together, to connect with one another to care for one another. And I thank you today that there's power in connection. That God, when we're connected, we can care for others. We can lift one another up. We can be a support to one another. And I thank you for this text today. Just another example of Jesus showing love and care to his disciples. Help us to see it new today in your good name. Amen.
Verse one through three, Jesus continues to reveal himself to people, almost about 500 different people after his resurrection. The question is, is why does he appear to so many people after his resurrection? Well, in the book of John, at the very end of John, basically John says that he wrote his gospel that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, the interesting thing and the most powerful thing about the Christian faith is that the event of the resurrection is what our faith is built on. Many other types of messiahs and figures and prophets were around during Jesus' day, but none of them said, I will die and then three days later I will live. Famous pastor Andy Stanley put it this way, if a man can predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, I just go with whatever that man says. It's the event of the resurrection that you and I sit here and stand here today and have faith in Jesus Christ. We believe with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength that Jesus is alive. Can I hear an amen? It's not even Easter, and we can say that Jesus is alive. And it's this gospel that John wrote and these stories that John wrote of the life of Christ so that you and I would believe in the message of Jesus Christ. And the reason why he appeared to so many different people is he wanted to prove and show that he did, in fact, say what he was going to do. That he actually did conquer death, sin, and the grave. That he actually did get put into a tomb for three days. That he actually did get rolled over and covered. That he actually was dead for three days. But come on, somebody, on that third day, he rose again. Can I hear an amen? It's what our faith is built on. It's the event of the resurrection. It's why we believe Jesus is our Lord and Savior, because he conquered death, sin, and the grave. And with all that excitement, and with all that joy, and he's alive, guess what the disciples are doing? They're fishing. They're back in Galilee. They're doubting. They're like, this is over. And they're fishing. They they return what they've always done. It's interesting because this story is the same way Jesus called his disciples at the beginning of his ministry. It was like a deja vu moment for them. They're fishing. They catch nothing. Jesus shows up. They catch a bunch of fish. The disciples, they're on this journey of trying to figure out what is going on. And he appears to them because he's trying to show them that he cares deeply for them. It's Peter who jumps in the water and freaks out when he sees Jesus on the shore. And here's what I love. The first thing that happens in Jesus expressing care and restoration to his disciples, to his three amigos, to prove to them and show them that I still care for you and that I love you and I'm connected to you. The first thing he does for them is he shares a meal with them. It's such a good example of of care and love that he shares a meal with them, breakfast with them. I find it to be a very powerful point that sometimes you and I, we want to restore, we want to show love, we want to show hope, we want to show deep care to people who have fallen away or people we're connected to. But sometimes we must start with meeting a basic need first. In fact, sometimes Jesus calls us to first meet a basic need before we can ever reach a spiritual need. And I love that Jesus here is like, dude, we're chowing, guys. I got some fish cooking here. I got a little bit of bread. And he meets a a physical need. 
It's interesting because it's food that breaks down walls in groups. Let me just tell you about my week because I had an awesome week of food, okay? It's just one of the best weeks ever of food. So first of all, Wednesday night, we had a first impressions meeting at the Garkas house for all the people that really are trying to make our church be the friendliest church on the planet. And these people were amazing. And then I walked into the, to the Garkas home and it was awesome because Greg made the best soup on the planet. It was like already done, sitting on the oven waiting for us. And so I enjoyed that thoroughly. And then there was pumpkin pie at the beginning of October. Praise God for pumpkin pie. And there was all of this awesome food and spread, just people connecting and doing life together. And food was at the center of it all. Why? Because we know that there's power when you just meet a basic need. There's power when there's connection and people are enjoying time together. Next night, our life group launched another awesome night. One of the gals in our life group couldn't make it that night, but she made like a banana bread, zucchini bread slash amazing, okay? And it was absolutely incredible. It was Brittany's bread, and oh my word, I almost died. But again, it's, it's in the kitchen. It's in, it's in when, you're, when you're connecting with people that there's life and friendship and care that happens. But, but to top them all, last night, we, uh, about five couples, five couples, four couples, five couples, we went in on a, a kebab dinner through our auction that we do every year. And last night, Curtis made us just an absolute ridiculous spread. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was almost gluttony, to be honest with you. But it was amazing, plus dessert. But here's what happens. I know you think it's so weird I'm talking about so much food. You have to understand that there is power when we connect with one another through food. In fact, we even see this in Acts. We, we see that the disciples, after they, they launched the early church, they're meeting together, they're breaking bread together, they're connecting with one another. For me personally, man, it's when like a homemade salsa meets a tortilla chip that God is glorified. Like that's just me, all right? Like this past week, my mom made me like two uh, mason jars of homemade salsa and I thought Jesus came back. I'm like, this is heavenly, you know? It's like, that's just my thing. It's my go-to. But something happens in the kitchen. Something happens when there's a gathering of people and something happens when there's food. I guarantee you right now that if, if my family and I were coming over to your house for something and all you did was snacks, that's so lame. That's so lame. Like, don't invite me over. No, I'm just kidding. But that's so lame. We got, we got some peanuts. That's like... I'm kidding, but no, seriously, make a meal, okay? No, but, right, like, you want this, right? You want to express love and care for someone, right? You're like, I'm never inviting him over, okay? But there, so this is Jesus. He's restoring the disciples and reminding them why he came, and he's doing it over a meal. He's like, guys, listen, let's eat together. Let's talk. I love you. I care for you. I'm alive, and I'm here, and I care for you. I care for you so much. I'm connected to you so much. I just want to share life with you right here in this moment. That's how much I love you. We know Peter probably struggled the most in this moment. I mean, if we can go back to Peter's life just for a minute and think about Peter, I mean, you got to feel really bad for him. Because it was Peter that was like, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'll be with you forever. Right? I mean, it was Peter that's like, he was the one that like pulled out the sword and cut the guy's ear off when they tried to arrest Jesus. Like he was all in. And then at the moment where he was all in, he wasn't. Right? There was a little girl by a fire and she was like, you were, you were with him. And he's like, no, 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 
No. And he does this three times. He denies him three times. What's amazing about the restoration of our Savior is that a threefold denial in exchange for a threefold declaration of God's love. Jesus restores him. He cares for him. And he loves him with these three questions. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. I, I love you. I, don't, I, I love you. I want to live for you. I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. I love you. One, one author, when I was studying this this week, I think this is such a great way of putting Peter's life in a good picture. He says, it was not for nothing that John recorded this incident here in John 21. He recorded it to show Peter as the great shepherd of God's people, of Christ's people. It may be indeed it was inevitable that people would draw comparisons in the early church. Some would say John was the great one, for his flights of thought went higher than, any, than those of any other man. Again, John was the one that wrote the book of Revelations. Some would say that Paul was the great one who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. For he far to the ends of the earth for Christ. But this chapter says that Peter too had his place. He may not write and think like John. He may not voyage and adventure like Paul. But he had the great honor and the lovely task of being the shepherd of the sheep of Christ. And here is where we can follow in the steps of Peter. Because we may not be able to think like John and we may not be able to go out to the ends of the earth like Paul, but catch this, but each one of us can guard someone else from going astray and each one of us can feed the lambs of Christ with the food of the word of God. I love that. I love that because we look at Paul's life and we're like, he just did so much. We look at John, he's like, dude, that guy was a brain. And we look at Peter and we're like, man, I'm more like Peter than any one of them. I deny, deny, surrender, deny, surrender. That's my faith. I fall prey to sin, I come back. I fall prey to sin, I come back. I mean, if anybody in the room here can relate to anyone, it's probably Peter who struggled so much with being a loudmouth and getting it wrong. And yet it's in the life of Peter we can see, wow, Jesus restores him. Jesus cares for him. Jesus connects with him. And he brings him back to the reminder of, now I want you to go do this again with someone else. I want you to go do this again with another group. I want you to go do this again when Acts shows up and his Holy Spirit comes. I want you to do it there, Peter. Feed my sheep with the lamb of God. Feed my sheep with the word of God. Feed them and restore them and heal them because that's how much I love my people and I want to bring as many people I can back to the fold and I want to reach as many people I can who are far from God because that's the heart of the Heavenly Father. See, there's such power in connection and caring for one another. It's in life groups here at this church that we provide the greatest care. It's in life groups that people really connect and are able to build one another up. It's in life groups that meals are shared and delivered. And to be honest with you, it's in life group that Jesus said it this way, they will know that you are followers of Christ by the way you love one another. They're going to know by the way you love and care for one another. Well, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, 
the way I love and care for other people in the body of Christ, the world's going to see that and go, man, I want that kind of love and care. I want to be known and celebrated like that. I want to be built up and encouraged that way. I want to be brought into that kind of love and care and support. I want to connect deeply in that way. See, it's, it's being connected means being, being cared for. This is why I think it's so important that you and I are connected to one another in the body of Christ. It's through connection that we support each other. It's through connection that we pray for each other. It's through connection we can restore and bring life to people and encouragement. I want to end with this last question here. When you think about your life and you think about where you're at today, I want you to think through this lens. Who, who shows up for you? Just think about that for a minute. Who, who shows up for you? When, when, when life is good and bad, when, when things are in the highest or maybe the lowest, who shows up for you? Well, what kind of care and support do you have in your life where people come around and lift up your burdens and support you and encourage you? And if you, if you look at a question like this and you say, you know, wow, man, who shows up for me? Who, who shows up for me? And you can't answer that question. Can I tell you, man, I want to find people to show up for you so desperately. I want you to get connected to people so bad here so that you do have the answer to that question. Because there's going to be times where things are good and there's going to be times when things aren't so good. And you're going to need some people to show up for you in the way that Jesus showed up for Peter and James and John. So, so who, who shows up for you? And, and then this one here. Who, who do you show up for? So you see, I, lo- I love this one too because like, yeah, I need care. I need support. I need encouragement. I need love. But you know what? I need to give care. I need to give encouragement. I need to give support. I need to give love. So who, who am I going to show up? Who are you going to show up for? When, when, when things, when you know there's stuff going on, when you know care is needed, when you know some support is needed, who, who are you going to show up for? I tell my wife all the time, babe, it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to do the right thing. Sometimes we miss the timing. Sometimes things happen and we don't always get it right, but it's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to extend God's love and grace. It's never, it's never too late to go back and make it right or encourage someone. It's never too late to do that. It's the heart of our Heavenly Father. Who shows up for you and who do you show up for? I want to pray together today. Lord Jesus, we come into a room like this, God knowing very well that there's such power in the name of Jesus. There's hope in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that John wrote his gospel so that we would believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want to give you an opportunity today to respond to the message of Jesus Christ. I don't assume every person in this room knows Jesus. I don't assume every person in this room has accepted him as, his, as their savior. But if you're in this place and you would say, you know, 
I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to believe on the message of Christ that he was sent by God, died a horrific death, and rose again to give me life and life abundantly, both in this life and the life to come. You want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to place him as the first priority, the first love, the first of first importance. Say, man, I want to to know Jesus today. I'm just going to have to lift up your hand in this place. You're like, that's me. I surrender to Christ today. Thank you. I got one. Anyone else? Two. Awesome. I want to surrender to Christ with these two hands. You can put your hands down. Thank you with these two. Anyone else with these two hands? Three. Got you, man. Thank you, man. Three. Four. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else? You want to put your faith in Jesus Christ with these four hands? Say, you want to be my Lord and Savior with these four hands. Awesome. Why don't you just pray this prayer with me? And if you raise your hand, you'll, you'll pray it with me as well. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I confess that I believe in the message of Jesus that you died and rose again and gave me life. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate? Come on, four hands, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, I love it. I wanna take a moment and uh, explain some things with our giving today. And so the ushers are gonna get into place with our offering buckets. And I'm gonna take a couple things to explain today as we're getting ready to give um, our tithes and our offerings. One of the things that we do here at the Grove Church um, is we support missionaries. And on the giving envelope, you obviously see tithe, offering, and other. But one of the things that we do every single month, and we have a map I want to kind of get up on the screen here. These are missionaries that we support all around the world. People that we give monthly support to financially who are going out, living in these countries, living in these settings, sharing the message of Jesus Christ. And I'm pleased to report today I got my little cheat sheet here because I want to get it all right. Please to report today that we have increased every missionary 25%. We did this as a step of faith. Yeah, let's praise God for that. And we did this because we know that there's cost of living. There's times, obviously, the support is desperately needed. So we've increased it 25% to those who give to missions. We've also added three new missionaries. I want to put them up on the screen. The Stover family in Africa, next one. Brooke in Honduras, next one. And the Johnsons in Belgium. And lastly, we just took on a church in Oceanside, California. A good friend of ours, Jeff Morse, is planting a church called Rhythm Church in Oceanside. And every single month we're giving to support local, but also global. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. And so... My encouragement to you today is if you're in here and you say, you know, I don't give any dollars at all to the Grove Church, I would say God would ask you to start somewhere and begin to give faithfully to the church. But if you're one of those people in the room where you go, man, I already give, I give regularly, I give 10%, I give above 10%, I would consider you to take on giving to missions. Maybe you can block out $20 a month, $30 a month, $40 a month to give to missions. Why? Because Jesus said it. 
I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And though I will be with you even to the end of the age. And so if that's you, you go, man, I have to love it. I love missions. I love we're supporting it. I love we've increased it. I want to start giving towards that. You would mark it on the other. You know, if you're going to give, write, write in there missions and the amount you want to give. Obviously, something to pray and think about. But again, I want to encourage you to consider giving to the missions of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? Let's pray for the giving and then we'll collect. God, thank you so much for the generosity of your people, for what you're doing in our church. We thank you for these missionaries, God, who are making sacrifices, God, that are really unbelievable to think about. They've given up every luxury at times for the sake of people knowing Jesus. Pray you protect them, watch over them. And I pray, God, we would continue to see an increase for them financially. For the glory of God and in your good name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.